This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We are once again talking about the this book called The Great Dechurching. Um, I would highly recommend the book, uh, it, not in the fact that you're, you're going to necessarily agree with all of the conclusions that they're going to come to. I, I don't. Maybe you guys do. I, I guess I didn't ask. I would suggest that anybody that has a sense of a missionary spirit and wants to see their uh, neighbors and family and friends uh, come to Christ, that having an awareness of what's taking place in, in the culture is important. And just personally, I, I just know people that fit the category. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, either personally my own friends mm-hmm. or family members that no longer are, are going to church or extensions of my congregation where I have members of my mm-hmm. congregation that have de-churched children or, or mm-hmm. friends. And, and so just because I'm part of the human history of the time period, I, I'm concerned about this great number of people that have left the church and many of them have said at least they're willing to come back and and i think we should be aware of at least a conversation and saying okay are there things that this book can trigger in my own mind and heart that make me more sensitive to the situation in the moment i'm living in Mm -hmm. and today we start what would be chapter 10 in the book called the misgenerational handoff there's a, a biblical principle here that faith is to be passed on from generation to generation. Now, I, I want to be clear. We don't believe that because I'm a Christian, my kids will be Christians and my grandkids will be Christians. But the principles of, of our faith, the, the heart mm-hmm. of the, 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 the teachings of Scripture are to be passed on. Mm-hmm. The gospel message is supposed to be passed on. And the idea is, and they use this idea of a handoff, that you you have a baton and you're, you're seeking to pass the baton on to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And that takes intentionality. Mm. And it's not just a handoff in a moment in time, you know, like in a, you know, in a, in a race yeah. you know, where, you, where the baton is passed. You're running with them the whole time. That's right. That track and field, you know, yep. this yep. is something different. Not just the baton, but you actually are, you are engaged with them from the moment of their birth you know, through that handoff, when you're no longer around to be able to uh, continue sharing your faith with them. And this principle is really laid out so um, beautifully, and in, in starting in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand 
and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Mm-hmm. And really the principle here is that this, this, your faith is not just something personal that you possess, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind, but that you have a desire to teach that and to demonstrate that to your, your, your family, your children, in all arenas of life. And that's kind of what that's getting at. They're, yeah. they're part of your life. And yeah. you're, you're communicating them diligently to your, yeah. to your children. Yeah, and that's a key word, diligently. You know, and, and the activities in which you do it. You know, it's, it, it, as you point out, you know, when you lie down, when you get up. He's talking about, you know, a 24-7 type of approach to communicating the truths of God. Where and we see that in the New Testament, as well as uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's reminding Timothy of the faith which he learned from his mother and grandmother, so that generational aspect of being taught. But then we also have um, in Psalm 78, not only this instruction, but also kind of an example of what that looks like. And I'll read just the beginning of the psalm. It's a long psalm, so I'll read the first few verses and then uh, also read the last few. But in the first four verses... We read, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, I will utter dark sayings from of old, things which we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. So again, that instruction that they heard from their fathers and their commitment then to teach the next generation. And the rest of the Psalm goes through a recounting of God's work in through his people of redeeming them and then also giving them the land, but also uh, their um, wrong response to him and turning from him. And, and uh, we read uh, in the final verses, he rejected, speaking of God, the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like the earth, which he has founded forever. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing use, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. I think it's important to reason why I bring that because it this psalm gives us the whole work of God, but then also shows his faithfulness despite the failures or, or frailty of his people. And this pointing us ultimately to the Christ, uh, who is that son of David that reigns and shepherds perfectly. We, have me- we may have mentioned this already at one point uh, about uh, passing this on from one generation to another. The book of Judges is a really uh, wonderful book. God sends saviors uh, to deliver them, pointing to, to the <coughs> ultimate savior, which is Jesus Christ. But he talks about these the, the first ones that went into that promised land. You know, Joshua is there. He he dies as well as everyone else in that uh, that generation that comes into the land. And it says in uh, Judges chapter two verse ten, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. That generation that came in were gathered, passed on, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. Mm. Now going back to uh, what you read in Psalm 78, um, in Psalm 78, 5, it says, God established a testimony mm-hmm. and appointed a law 
which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. There's a disconnect because these people that came out of that wilderness, that is 40 years in the wilderness where their, their shoes didn't wear out, where they had um, manna from heaven and, and uh, were guided by a pillar and a cloud, you know, by the providences of God, they come in and they didn't even tell anybody. Mm-hmm. They didn't share that. They didn't do what you, uh, you read from Deuteronomy uh, there of mm-hmm. teaching these things diligently to their children. The whole generation missed out. If you go back to Psalm 78, it will say that they arise and tell them to their children that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And what you have in Judges is they forgot. But then it goes on to say, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And then it goes on and it says, they did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works. I don't know if you you guys are a C.S. Lewis fan, but C.S. Lewis wrote his Chronicles of Narnia, and one of the books is called The Silver Chair, and at the beginning of the book, there's these two children, Jill and Eustace, that are there, and, and Eustace has gone ahead into to Narnia, and Jill is behind, and Aslan, the, the lion, comes to talk to, to Jill, and she, he says, okay, here's all of these signs that you need to know for the, the, the quest that you're going to be put on, and he goes through all the signs, and he says, do you know the signs? And she says, well, yes. And she says, he said, let me hear him. Well, then she stumbles through him. And he said, you didn't really know the signs, did you? Let's go over him again. And then keeps forcing her to go over him and go over him. And he says to her, you need to review these all the time. Otherwise, you're going to forget. Mm-hmm. And you need to know them perfectly well, because when you're living in the moment, they're not going to look as clean and neat as what you want them to be. So you have to remember. You have to remember. And then the storyline is they don't recite the, song, the the signs. They don't know them. And as the journey goes on, they keep messing up because they don't remember. They have forgotten. And that's really the storyline of the book of Judges. Right. That's mm-hmm. really the storyline of the of, of our lives. It's <laughs> the storyline of the culture in which we live and, and the reason why this is uh, one of the great uh, problems of the dechurched is this misgenerational handoff, and, and and it's and and you know you you might meet uh, individuals that they don't want to impose their Christianity on their children. They want them to accept it for themselves, you know, you know, so they don't really press the issue. Um, but children need God in their lives. The sooner the better, yeah. and they need to begin learning Him from the on their knee. Uh, on their parents' knee and then through the church and then continuing. And it needs to be presented to them not in harsh realities, but in but in uh, you need to know the signs. You need to know what God has done. You need you're giving them a testimony of who God is and how he treats people, how he, you know, what his judgments are, you know, what his promises are. And so those things need to be communicated from the earliest stage all the way through. Yeah, and, and circling back to that idea, you know, because I've heard that as well. Some some parents that have said, well, I, I don't want to force this on my children or I want to mm-hmm. let them choose for myself. And I, it, when parents do that, what they're unintentionally, I think, doing is they're setting up Christianity as one of many viable options. Mm-hmm. And you may not be thinking you're doing that to your kids, but 
that's what your kids are going to be getting that, okay, well, I could pick Christianity or I could pick Buddhism or I could pick whatever. Everything's equal. It's like, no, as parents, we need from a young age, as Jonathan just said, of teach them the gospel and teach them the truth that this is the way and anything outside of the, this way leads to condemnation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on this misgenerational handoff, this is a, this is a, parental responsibility we can't we mm-hmm. can't you know we can't put that off on the church or the christian school that they we sent them to or the vacation bible school that we we brought them to uh, every summer it's not a it's not a backyard club responsibility or a church camp responsibility this is a parental responsibility of doing this now as a church we have our own responsibilities to uh, you know to those parents and and helping them but this is a parental responsibility. And one of the things that we notice in this book is that a great number of these de-churched misgenerations, they began missing this between the ages of 13 and 17. Mm. And, and this is the this at the same time when the parents were drawing uh, withdrawing from the church. Mm. Just a, a few statistics in our in our short remaining time here. Um, what they say is that the most religious time of a person's life is between zero and eighteen. Mm-hmm. And then for those surveyed, the least religious point of their life was 18 to 25. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about these three stages of life, high school, college years, and post-college years, that are the hardest, uh, most difficult to hold on to the faith. And tomorrow we're going to just continue on this conversation about this generational handoff. And why is that? Why is that so difficult? And what are some things that we might need to keep in mind as we think through what does it mean to faithfully live out Deuteronomy 6, Psalm 78, so that we don't have a Judges, or a, a judges 2 type of moment. Mm-hmm. Tune in tomorrow. We'll talk through all of that. See you then. 